family and friends Loving yourself But not only yourself It's about the good walk And the hard walk And the young girls you've made cry It's about making little music Every day till you die It's a beautiful Welcome to Talkin' Giants presented by DraftKings. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Penick. we got offensive tackle, two position previews left, offensive tackle and then wide receiver on Monday. Today we're going to do our, our redraft of two seventh-round picks. Very exciting, very exciting. And then we're get them in to talk with Kevin Abrams and, and Chris Pettit, which we'll, we'll recap a little bit. Justin, how are you? Six days. Six days, Bobby Skinner. It's kind of crazy. Uh, I'm going to probably just repeat the same thing that I repeated last show, every single show. I'm ready for these six guys to be New York football giants, including the undrafted free agents. Can't forget about those guys. You know, maybe we trade back. Maybe we get more draft picks. Then that means we have more players that we are inviting into our, our hearts. I'm ready to root for them. I'm ready for the New York football giants to continue to improve as a football team. How are you? I'm doing good. You know who I'm rooting for? Richard who? Haber. Mm. Richard Haber. And then we got Hayden Fried. So we got a Haber and then a Hayden. Sure, he's Hayden, he's Hayden fried food. How about that? That was that was yeah. pretty corny. And then we got Costa G. I don't know what country Costa G is from. You know, it, it has the Euro sign, but it's a uh, it's Costa our guy. I mean, our international patrons. I, I bet you through. like like eighty percent of our international listeners are patrons. Like it's like the the rate of patrons of international to total listeners of Americans to total listeners. I mean, they're blowing you out of the out of the water, America. I'm sorry. Um, you know, like we win at other stuff, but they're beating you in that. Who are these people? Who are these those freaking international people? Those winners, those international winners, like they just keep on winning. Two Americans though, too, so they technically do win. Like Hayden and Richard will still beat Costa in a two-on-one fight. Hmm, that is true. Would hate to fight those Haydens. They went to patreon.com slash talking giants for two hours a month. You get to support us. Plus, you get some pretty nice perks, I would say. Um, you get to hang out with us as we record the shows. Pre, post show, little discussion. You get to watch the shows as we record them live. You get uh, a magnet. Uh, maybe you get some stickers, depending on the mood that Bobby Skinner's in. Um, you, and then uh, twice a month, we do some free shirts. You could win a free shirt if you go to patreon.com slash talking giants and uh, subscribe and become part of the patron family. Thank you. We all love you. For sure. Like Jack Keating just won the the, the new draft hoodie, which, you know, mm. being sent out soon. All right, Justin. Wait, are we matching? I didn't realize this. We are. But oh, I don't like I that. I don't know why, but mine is on this side and yours is on the other side of the camera. Because I think that's just the way the camera works. Like, that's how cameras work. I won't be able to figure that out. All right. It's like a mirror. Gettleman spoke. Uh, on Tuesday about free agency and then twice uh, he spoke twice yeah you know one about free agency with Abrams and then uh, Thursday with uh, the draft with Chris Pettit nothing really much to take from Pettit or or Abrams besides Abrams maybe being the most boring person alive like the most quiet so fun though like they are the exact um, like they're the exact opposite human beings that's why it's fun yeah that's why they they probably get along so well Um, and you can tell Dave's a little more tame with, with Abrams next to him like, like they would ask Abrams a question, and Dave would be like, "You know, let me finish that off for you, since you gave him a three-word answer, uh, Kevin." <laughs> um, so nothing really of substance that I pulled out of either of those two, besides this. When you know talking about collaborating with the coaching staff, 
he kind of was like, hey, you know, wide receivers are wide receiver offense. Like, you know, you have to find a scheme fit, but, you know, most wide receivers fit in most schemes. Most offensive linemen fit in most schemes, um, especially at the top of the draft. But he's like, linebackers is different, though. That's the difference. Like, you got to have a guy who can, you know, be a two-way, can, who can play the pass, um, you know, rush the pass, or, you know, play. Essentially, talking about outside linebackers, I think, more specifically. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty interesting because I do think that, you know, the like, you know, I like Rashad Weaver in the late rounds. I think I could probably cross him off my board for the Giants because, like, he's not going to drop in coverage at all. And we saw them, we saw them, you know, not use Marcus Golden. So we've seen them practice it too. Um, but what do you, what do you think about that approach of being like, you know, like, like say they just like, hey, we're not going to go get a, a, a Quiddy Pay or a Jalen Phillips because they don't drop in the coverage. Well, it's a matter of, if uh, how healthy is Lorenzo Carter? Because how many line, how many edge rushers do you need dropping into coverage? And also, what are, are they? Are you so ever going they, to be asking? They want the threat of everybody too, so you know, so they can't figure out pre snap. Yeah, know? but are you ever? Are you ever going to be asking your edge rusher to you know uh, to shadow a George Kittle and to you know mirror and keep up with the guy running downfield? Or are you just like they had B.J. Hill, Dexter Lawrence dropping into coverage last year as just like, hey, this is something that we do, and it throws a quarterback off, and it worked. So it's what I honestly view it. I view the whole versatility thing when they talk about versatility. I view it more or less as you are equally as good of a run defender as you are a pass rusher, not necessarily like a guy that can solely draft and drop in the coverage. You know, if you're somewhat athletic, I don't think the Giants and Patrick Graham, they're not going to be asking you to do anything elaborate in terms of dropping in the coverage. Lorenzo Carter can. Now, if Lorenzo Carter is, you know, his snap count is down and his snap shares down, and he's not getting like 80, 90% of the snaps like he was getting to start the 2020 season, then I think this is a conversation. This is a different conversation where the Giants may be looking for somebody who is that versatile. But I mean, you look at the snap counts and you look at the snap shares of how the Giants started the season pre Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zimenez injury. It was so strange how we viewed heading into the season as Marcus Golden and maybe O'Shane Zimenez as the most talented pass rushers on the team, yet. Kyler Fackrell and Lorenzo Carter were really like outbidding them in snaps. Like, and that was a crazy point, especially seeing Lorenzo Carter getting like 90% of the snaps. So that tells you right there and just who was on the field and who the Giants wanted to put on the field. That tells you right there, I think, how they evaluate the edge rusher position, which kind of contradicts the whole. I don't want to say it contradicts to the whole you can't you 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 can't you can't have too many good players in one position because I guess how they define a good football player at the edge spot it's different than maybe how the cat the average fan defines it as just get me a guy that can get to the quarterback. Yeah, and I kind of like it's not like oh you're gonna drop in and cover George Kittle like you're saying it's just like hey the threat of this guy can play in coverage and and we use it you know. Not, you know, when you mentioned Dexter Hill, you know, Dexter Lawrence, like, that's a one-time thing to close the middle of the field between the two linebackers. Like, that's not like a, oh, you're, like, that's just that. So, I think it's not, like, just, you know, they dropped Marcus Golden back in coverage a few times. It's not like a, oh, can you drop back in the coverage? Everybody can drop back in the coverage. Can you do it, do we trust you to do it 25 to 30% of the time, like we do Lorenzo Carter and Kyler Fackrell? Um, But I also have an issue, I kind of have an issue with that, because, I yeah. hope they don't just draft like oh like like I hope it doesn't put Oziz or Ojolari way up their board because he's the most versatile out of the edge class. 
You know, like at the end of the day, I kind of want some good a good pass rusher if we're going to do that. I want someone who's going to be the best player. Yeah, why would you like pass up on whether it's another good player or why would you pass on another edge rusher who is maybe more talented just naturally, but just because he isn't a as good as a, of a run defender or as good a, or as good in coverage, I just don't buy that. I don't buy that. Oh, the, we are looking for a guy that is really that is solid in coverage and he can do multiple things. No, I mean you, you want your. I I still think I have you know maybe this this kind of crazy thought that you want your edge rusher to get to the quarterback. <laughs> That's what he's paid to do. Yeah, but I mean they are you know doing like you know part of what Patrick Graham does is not ever letting the QB have the same read two plays in a row. And we saw with Marcus Golden. When Marcus Golden was on the field, he is rushing the passer. Like that right. is like you you can count on that player rushing the passer and, and you know they are they pride themselves on disguising. So I'm fine with that. But I just don't want it to become like a hey, we thought these four edge rushers were better than this guy, but we took this guy because um because he's that true versatile player. Now, if that means like, hey, we're not taking this edge guy. We're going to take a wide receiver or whatever at this spot instead because, you know, we like this edge guy, but we just we're not a huge fan of 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 his playing style. That's fine, but I don't want it to be like, a, oh, we're reaching on this guy just cuz he's versatile, you know. When it's like right. but he's I like agree. he can't get to the passer like, you know, the other guy. Like Joseph Asai wasn't great in coverage, but he has he has coverage, like real coverage experience and like yeah, I would he was lo- an interior linebacker. Yeah, I would love him in the second round. Um, so if they're like, hey, like we're gonna take him over Ronnie Perkins, who we view very similar, but he's the versatile guy. So, but I I agree. I don't want to just take someone for the sake of just versatility. Yep, I agree. Um, and <sighs> I'm getting the feeling of edge. It just seems like everything is talking about edge, but that's all it's getting asked about. Um, anyways, other news: Wayne Gallman went to the 49ers. Will the Gallmanites go with him? What's interesting about him going to the 49ers, um, outside zone scheme, um, I I don't know if that fits Wayne Gallman, right? Um, definitely Wayne Gallman is an efficient running back, so it's that's just an efficient system. If they want a guy who just gets the ball in his hands and he's going to get you four yards a pop, and that's what they want. But also San Francisco has a rotation of running backs. Now, if any of them get hurt, which it always seems like there's a San Francisco 49er running back hurt, if any of them get hurt, then Wayne Gallman's there to take the majority of the carries. He'll be good. But is he going to be good in the back of running back role? History shows with the Giants, no. Now, it is interesting, though. I do think Devontae Booker is a much more versatile football player than Wayne Gallman. Like, Wayne Gallman was virtually non-existent as a pass catcher. Um, but do we have any contract details about how much it was for one year? No. I still think it's an interesting look to pay... Devontae Booker three years and Wayne Goldman one year. Is that enough for me to really throw a fit? Booker no, got two but years. But I think it's interesting. Two years? Yeah. I thought it was three. No, it was three mil. Yeah, so I just wanted to, you know, just kind of shove that in Gallmanite's faces. Anyways, you know, Wayne Goldman was he was a solid player for us. Um Yeah. Uh, you know, wish he could have stayed, but he couldn't. It's it wasn't the one I, I am I'm missing Dalvin a lot more than I am Wayne Goldman. Um, and the Alfred Morse dream is still alive, baby. He is still, still out there waiting to come back home. Come home, Alfred. Alfredites, we, we love you. All right. Redraft. We are doing two picks this time. We have hit the seventh round. So far, my draft is Andrew Thomas, Chase Claypool, Alton Robinson, Darnay Holmes, Michael Nwenu, and Jordan Fuller through six. Yours is Justin Jefferson, Xavier McKinney, Tyree Phillips, who's a guard who you want to play tackle even though he sucks to tackle. Darnay Holmes. 
Michael Onwenu and Donovan Peoples-Jones. So we got two seventh-round picks. We have pick 218, which last year the Giants took Carter Coughlin. You and your mock draft took Jawan Jennings, wide receiver out of Tennessee. I took tight end out of Virginia Tech slash fullback Dalton Keene, who the Patriots took in the third round, which is like, I like this Ooh. guy. But it's like third round is a little rich, and you see them signing tight ends now. Um, and then with pick 238, the Giants got TJ Brunson, who... My issue wasn't that they got kind of like probably not a good player in TJ Brunson with that pick. It's like, why did they pick him over T.A. Crowder? Um, yeah. You got J.J. Taylor running back, another Patriot. And I, I picked D.J. Dallas, who, again, went in the third round. So I was picking with good value in the simulator last year. I had two third-round picks to my seventh-round picks. Good for you. So what are we doing at 218, Justin? My draft is terrible. So I'm just taking players that I like at this point. I'm taking Derek Tuska. Ooh, I, we could still get him. I think he got cut by Denver, the the edge rusher out of North Dakota State, right? No, they activated him from IR, designated to return list December 12, 2020, and that's the last transaction um, that was present on Pro Football Reference. Maybe they cut him and they didn't list it, um, but he was placed on IR October 27, 2020. Um, he played th- he played 27 defensive snaps. Most of his snaps were on special teams, but he's a guy that just plays like a bat out of hell, and I, and I love him. Um, there's a chance. I don't know. He was the second to last pick in the NFL draft. There's a chance he could have been a giant. I don't know. I thought he was like a perfect, like Joe judge player. So, you know, Carter Coughlin's good. Carter Coughlin actually had like defensive production. Derek Tuska didn't, but you want to know what? I like him a lot more and uh, I'm going with the guys that I like from last year's draft class. So give me Derek Tuska. Screw you. The giants got it right. Carter Coughlin is the pick. I, the giants got this one, right? I have agreed with the giants on, Three picks so far, Donnie Holmes and then Andrew Thomas. The Giants got this right. Carter Coughlin, like you said, gave us some real production. Um, does fit that role. And you you see real pass rush ability, and it showed up in the NFL. It wasn't like dumb or nothing, but you saw real pass rush ability at the NFL level. Where Derek Tuska, we haven't seen nothing besides him be a bum who can't stay healthy. So I'm Giants True. got this right. I'm going Carter Coughlin. True. And then pick 238. I'm going. I'm hitting the undrafted free, the undrafted free agent market. Get, um, I'm getting my running back. Choo 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 choo. James Robinson, running back from the Jacksonville Jaguars, undrafted free agent, had 1,400 yards uh, from scrimmage in 2020. Ten touchdowns, four and a half yards per carry. I have my backup. We don't have to sign Devonte Booker. Uh, we don't have to worry about Wayne Gallman. Uh, Saquon goes down. James Robinson steps in, and he's the guy. I I got my running. I got my backup running back. We never hear Devonte Booker's name because James Robinson. I drafted him. I'm getting my run, my backup running back too, and I'm going with the same guy that I took in my mock draft, JJ Taylor. Did he go later than this? He was undrafted by the New England Patriots. Oh wow, he got some good yep. reps for New England. He did. I there there was a there was either a, I think it was a Monday Night Football game against the Jets where I saw him make some good plays. He got some runs up the middle. Um, I like JJ Taylor. You know, he's not your he's not as quick as Darren Sproles, but. Um, he's a short guy and I, for some reason, I'm just gravitated to short running backs. Um, because I like the, I like the story. I like the story of Bobby Skinner. He runs with a little bit of power and it kind of translated to the NFL too. You, you kind of ran for a little bit more power than what his size would indicate. So give me JJ Taylor, good receiving back. You know what? Maybe I'll get JJ Taylor with my next pick. Cause I went to, I went back, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the next, you know what? I'll save it for the, for the next episode. How about that? Save it. Save for the next episode. You know what we're not going to save? We're going to talk about freaking offensive tackles. We're doing eight instead of 12 because we were doing too much. We are rushing through it. Anyways, all right. 
Ad. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. Masvidal and Usman put on a show last time they stepped into the octagon. Round two is sure to pack a punch. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, is putting you in the center of this weekend's title fight with 26 to 1 odds on either title contender to reign victorious. Pick either main event fighter to win during UFC's uh, this weekend's UFC 261 title fight, and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 26 to 1 odds. Just bet $5 on either fighter to win. If they walk out with the belt, you will cash in $130. There is no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings. Don't worry if MMA isn't for you. DraftKings offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, and so much more. They didn't even mention baseball, but basketball and hockey. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook Act now and use promo code JOHNBOY when you sign up to turn $5 into $130 if the title contender of your choice wins. Place your bet and watch the fist fly this weekend. That's code JOHNBOY to turn $5 into $130 if the fighter of your choosing takes home the crown. For a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, West Virginia, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? 1-800-CALL-1-800-GAMBLER. Damn it. I almost got through that entire ad read flawless. And I screwed up the last three words. Because you want to know why? Because I started thinking about it. I was like, I'm about to be flawless. I'm about to brag about being flawless. And I screwed it up at the end. Call, West Virginia threw me off the first time I saw it. Um, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, I, I can't believe yeah. I screwed that up. That pisses me off. Bruce Buffer is somebody that I idol. I don't idolize a lot of people. I, I idolize Shania Twain. I idolize Muhammad Ali. I idolize uh, Eli Manning. Um, Tom Coffin's included in there, too. But Bruce Buffer is the guy that I idolize. Like I, I want his life. Fighting! That was bad. I think he has, um, like, well, let's get ready to rumble copyrighted. Kind of. No, that's his brother. Oh yeah, I forget that they're brothers that are like the same people. I, I in, in all fairness, I did just we, learn last weekend that they are brothers. I've known for a while. I'll be honest. All right, Justin, we're talking about the offensive tackles, and we said at the beginning of the show, but we are switching our draft episodes from twelve players to eight. Twelve players. We were just rushing towards the end, and it wasn't quality. Uh, analysis it's just basically us reading the scouting reports that we read wrote up on these guys so we are switching to eight so it can be you know we can keep the more conversational part and and keep you listening to the end if you guys just wanted to hear us read off a scouting report you just go to the draft site so uh, we're switching to eight but anyways and we're going to do that all next year too we I, I was like next year we should change and then i was like you know why why wait let's make the show better now all right so we're talking about offensive tackles offensive tackle is a very weird position for the giants because they very like, if Sewell or Slater are there, it's like go get your tackle. Like you know, like if like and you know maybe they play tackle, maybe they play guard, depending on Matt Parrott. But you know we're gonna talk about some mid round guys. It's kind of a weird spot though. Do you draft somebody in the mid round? Because you kind of already have your mid round de- developmental guy and Matt Parrott. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's a weird spot for the Giants with tackle right now, and I do think that's why you know we'll do the. Every tackle's a guard talking point with, you know, prob- almost all of these guys besides maybe like Stone Forsythe. Yeah, and I feel like it's it was almost it's almost the same conversation with guard. You know, why take a a third or a fourth round guard with the expectation that, hey, this guy's going to come in and he's going to play when you already have 
you know, Will Hernandez definitely on one side, and then there would be a competition with Shane Lemieux. But odds are Shane Lemieux would win because he's already a one year a one year pro. So the same conversation that's present with guard is is there with tackle with Matt Parrott. Um, except Matt Parrott is a lot less than experienced, but we're getting the vibe from the Giants, and I think the vibes that some informed beat reporters like Duggan and Jordan Ronan are putting out, at least in my opinion from what I'm seeing, Bobby, if I'm reading between the lines, they really like Matt Parrott. They really like Matt Parrott, so I think it's more likely that even if they draft a quote-unquote tackle, that we should sort of expect them to transition to guard. Maybe. Yeah, it's... Okay, so last year, when you know the Giants drafted a left tackle, we were both wanting them to draft a left tackle, and they drafted Andrew Thomas. Last year, me and you had... I mean, we were getting into arguments with people. Like, we were very strongly of the opinion, Andrew Thomas needs to play left tackle week one. Okay, he is the left tackle of the future. He's here to play left tackle. And Nate Solder had the worst production out of all left tackles in 2019. Andrew Thomas needs to come and play left tackle because it's not going to be as bad as Nate Solder. And that's the position he's going to play. Don't put him through a position switch after his first year. Um, and that ended up being the right decision, even through Andrew Thomas' struggles. He got through those struggles at the left tackle spot. And even in those struggles, he wasn't as bad as Nate Solder. Um, where this year, I'm not strongly opinionated on where he plays. He could play left guard, right guard, or right tackle. I am very much, you know, for the most part, we usually are like, you know, these guys, these coaches see him more. But I, I'm not going to have a strong opinion on this. Like, this guy has to play right tackle. Yeah. Or we need to put him at guard. Like, it's, I'll let it play out. No. I'll even left tackle if they feel that strongly about a guy. That would hurt. That would hurt, especially after everything everything that uh that we went through last year, saying a- Andrew Thomas is four, Andrew Thomas left tackle, blah, 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 putting all of our emotional investment in that. But a- anyway, neither here nor there. Um, yes, I agree, because frankly, the Giants are at a point right now, Just, and I think I've said this before on the show before, the Giants were at a point in previous years that they just needed football players. They needed football players at positions of high value and positions of need, you know, and that really what we're down to right now when just looking at this roster overall, yes, we can add wide receiver. Um, yes, we can upgrade certain positions like interior linebacker two here and there, but the two positions that are of de- desperate need are interior offensive line, at least in our eyes as fans, and but definitely edge rusher. I mean, I think, and I think that's acknowledged pretty much everywhere. So those are the two spots. So I'm a guy, I don't, you know, we don't want to half-ass the offensive line. We saw how Dallas built their unit um, and built their Super Bowl roster that they didn't do anything with because Jason Garrett is a loser. Sorry. Um, I haven't, haven't. And Tony Romo's a loser, too. Don't Tony Romo's that. a loser. They're all losers in Dallas. So, um, Bobby, don't half-ass the offensive line. That's where we're at right now. Um, let's talk about this tackle class, though. And let's start out with number one, at least in my eyes. Penne Sewell, left tackle out of Oregon, six foot five, 325 pounds. Obviously, opted out of the 2020 season like the entire Pac-12 did. Um, and at the start of the, se- the, the season, he's going to be 20 years old. He's still, like, Penny Sewell's still a baby. Who is Penny Sewell? He's an athletic freak. You see it in the run game show up, man. He just, his hips roll through dudes, and he blows them up. You know, I was, uh, you know, I put out a film breakdown on him, and it just, you know, putting out that film breakdown just got me so excited, like, just dreaming of maybe this guy falls and it's, you know, stuff can happen. I don't think he'll fall, but, but stuff can happen. Um, just bulldozes people like his combo blocks, man. He is strong and quick. It's beautiful. Um, in the past game, 
you can tell he's been coached up a little bit. Like he has that dump move where he's being bull rushed, and he him and Slater both have short arms. It's a weird tackle class where they kind of have short arms compared to last year's. But anyways, like he's got that move, and like that's a that's a well coached move. Um, that being said, he is not flawless like he was made out to be. He has, I think, his, some of his issues are very similar to Andrew Thomas's with that right post foot. You know, like letting the inside in. I think that's an issue for Panay Sewell. So he's going to have to work out on that uh, initially. You know, not not allowing that to get in. Um, you know, sometimes they could kind of be sloppy because he's trying to just blow dudes up. And it's like, just be, be a little more calm, cool, and collected in your run fits. Um, um, you know, opening his hips. It's not an issue, but it's not it's not perfect, you know. Um, and again, he relies on, on his, his athleticism a little bit in the past game. Um, so anyways, I do think Rayshon Slater, who we're talking about is, is more polished as a pass blocker than Penny Sewell, but Penny Sewell is number one. Cause you're betting on that potential. And I, I think I, I like him for a lot of the same reasons. I like Andrew Thomas. Um, but man, he is fun to watch. He is offensive tackle one for And you know, I, I, I went and watched extra games and I remember like a couple months ago, I said, I want to put Penny Sewell like above, um, Worse, Thomas or Becton, if I was reevaluating, I think I would now. I think I would go Becton then Sewell out of like the la- the last two years. I wrote in my notes in May he opted out of the 2020 season, so we talked about this guy in May, and I I, I did, and you know we didn't watch a I I didn't watch a significant amount of tape because we were just previewing this 2021 draft class over the summer, but Bobby something that I saw or something that I didn't see, rather, is I didn't really see him operate in a lot of, like, your typical pass sets where he's kick-stepping and... I hate Oregon's offense so much. It's so frustrating. I agree. So, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I I agree with you where it's like, the way Oregon's offense played, he didn't have those just like, all right, you versus that edge rusher for a game. You know, like you said. So... That is a worry, too. It's like he just doesn't have those reps in it like the way an Andrew Thomas I had, a Jedrick Wills, a Mekhi Becton. Like, he doesn't he doesn't have those, like, a hey, mono-a-mono versus pass rusher because of the way they ran their offense. Yeah, but one of the things that you have to look at as an NFL coach, you know, in my opinion, the difference between Sewell and Slater, um, you know, even throw Vera Tucker in there as just like a, I think, some the three best offensive line prospects. I know a lot of people are getting mad because maybe I left out Darisol, right? But um, the three, in my opinion, the three best offensive line prospects in this draft, you know, uh, Vera Tucker and uh, and Slater are both very safe. And I'm going to talk about Slater next. But they are safe, they're balanced, and they're polished. But what Sewell has that differentiates himself at the top of the class from those other guys is, is the athletic traits. It's that he combines the athletic traits with playing even a little nasty, too. And that's rare. That's rare. He has that natural talent. And as a coach, even though, you know, maybe the tape didn't show you everything that you wanted to see out of like a, a pro-ready tackle or in a pro-ready system, you have to get excited about what you can work with with Penny Sewell. And Bobby, is there a concern, by the way? So let's just talk about this too, because Dave Gettleman was talking about this. You know, some guys that opted out. Uh, this was a funny line that he gave. We probably talked about it first half of the show. Um a line that Dave Gettleman gave about guys that opted out of the twenty the twenty twenty season is, hey, some of them showed up and they look great during their pro day. Some of them showed up and uh, they looked worse than I did. So they looked worse than Dave Gettleman. So are we worried that if Penny Sue like falls, 
are we worried that it's he's falling for a reason and maybe we should pass? Are we worried about Apparently, that? Apparently, he's been working his ass off. All right. You cool. know, um, and, and like him and Slater, both those like two work ethic guys. So, so that shouldn't be too much to work. I wonder who he was talking about, though, with uh, with uh, those guys that fell. Yeah. Like, who who was that? Like, uh, was it Gregory Russo? Like, who who, who was it? Mm-hmm. You got to wonder. You can only wonder. Dave Gettleman has always been very good at hiding his cards. Lately, he has been, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Joe Judge effect. All right, Bobby, we ready to move to uh, to my first player? We ready for that? Slater. All right, so let's move to my first player, Rashawn Slater, 6'4", 304 pounds from Northwestern in my plus-plus category. He is smooth and strong. He has incredible footwork. His feet are smooth. He is quick. His agile. I'm gonna be using words like smooth and balanced very often because I think that that's like kind of like the best way to describe him as a player. His feet and balance are so great. He rarely has to lunge out for a defender. He gets out of his stance and is very very and he's a very very good natural athlete because of how good he is in his kick step and spacing in his feet. I think he does deserve a shot at tackle because of his footwork, because of the spacing between his feet. Like, for example, last year, even though this was a wrong evaluation, a kind of little critique I had of um, of Trishan Worfs is that in his kick steps and in his pass sets, his feet come together and they're a little too close. So I'm like, okay, well, then maybe let's go to guard. Slater, I don't even see that kind of issue where his footwork, or, you know, where his feet are coming a little too close together. So let's conduce the space for you at guard. I think he deserves a shot at tackle, unless you're drafted by the Giants, where I think he should go to guard. But anyway, dominated Chase Young in 2019. Bobby, I know you kind of want to talk about that. Arguably, he lost one rep, but even in that one rep, he did a good job of like recovering, recovering and then yeah. breaking down and then anchoring down um, in that one play that he arguably lost that rep. But he dominated Chase Young in 2019. Um, choppy feet in the run game as well does not open up his hips too wide to be vulnerable to inside moves. In my plus category, gets out of his stance well and can get into space well too. Maybe not the greatest athlete like we've ever seen, um, but he will get the job done. Awareness and overall processing of the game is also a plus for Slater. Solid feet, um, solid feel, excuse me, for second level blocks and moving with the guard as well. My minus category, I think this is all kind of nitpicks to be honest. He's not a mauler. You know, he's not like a Shane Lemieux or he's going to drive guys and he's going to, you know, uh, he he may have a little bit of mean streak where if he gets a guy on the ground, he's going to make sure that they stay on the ground. But I, I wouldn't categorize him as a mauler. Um, I also guess he has short arms, but that's why teams see him as a guard. You know, I don't know. Um, nitpick. Opted out of the 2020 season. That is, unfortunately, a minus, even though, you know, it's a personal decision. I'm not going to kill him for that. Bobby, I called AVT a balanced and polished lineman. Um, and like I said uh, before, I feel like that's the perfect way to describe Rashawn Slater. Um, except even more balanced and polished compared to Elijah Vera Tucker. He's a gotta have it prospect for me. He would come in and possibly be the best offensive lineman, even better than Andrew Thomas, because of how polished his game is already. Honestly, it's just a matter of will Slater be on the board at 11? How do the Giants view him after opting out this season? And does he fit our scheme and, and what our offense wants to do? Yeah, I, I agree with everything you're saying, even, you know, the nitpicks. Um, like you said, he's not a mauler in the run game. But like you said, working combos, it's beautiful. Like him getting to the second level is elite, getting to those linebackers. He gets there quick, he gets there with good angles, and he finishes those blocks. Um, now, him and Sewell basically have the same si uh, 
length arms. I think it's like a, like a half inch off or whatever, both 33 inch, maybe even less than that. Um, it's going to get Slater in trouble more than it will Sewell because like Sewell has that stronger like base and anchor than Slater does where Slater will get some bull rushes that'll get him. But he, you know, he just needs to work worth it. And I think that's why people talk about kicking him in the guard more than they do a, a Sewell. Um, but again, like for the Giants, guard is kind of what we're thinking. Every other team, tackle. Yeah. You know, like I, the, I, if I'm, you know, the Phil, if, if the Dallas Cowboys take him, they should play him at tackle. Yeah, I'm worried. You know, if, I'm worried. If the worried Carolina take Panthers him. take, you know, take him, he should play him at tackle. Um, so yeah, this is, I mean, this is the guy that will, when we do our mock draft episodes, this will, be, this will essentially be the guy that I take, you know, um, he may not fall there, but I'm. He's the guy that I'm realistically hoping. Like, obviously, I want Sewell to fall, but it's like I don't think there's any realistic shot of that. Slater, you can you can have a world where he falls, where you know they five QBs go, some teams straight up to get QBs. Pitts goes, Chase goes, Sewell goes, um, and then say you know Parsons and then one of the corners go, and yep. then Slater's in our lap. So he's. I don't think Sewell's realistic unless some teams have Slater higher than Sewell. Um, but so Slater's the one I'm I'm hoping for realistically, right on. Um, so I I think he may end up being the guy in both our mock drafts. We'll see. You know I don't I don't mind giving away the first round pick. It's it gets fun when the second one, round one is anyways. Um, even though I don't know that's going to be yours. All right, next on my list, offensive tackle three. Now he's four for a lot of guys. He's three for me. Oklahoma State, Tevin Jenkins. Tevin six foot six, three hundred fifteen pounds. At his pro day, had 34 bench press reps, a 33-inch vertical jump. Experience at guard and tackle. Justin, he is a mean sombe. He is a mean sombe. He just buries dudes. Not just buries dudes. He is disrespectful. I, if there was one breakdown I would like people to watch that I've done in this draft season, it would be Tevin Jenkins. It's so much fun. Not only do, do I say that he... He buries him. He'll walk over your ass disrespectfully. He will put you in the ground. There was reps against Joseph. He was blocking Joseph Asai, who's, you know, me and you both really yeah. like. Blocking him into the bench. Like, beautiful stuff. And once he has his hands on you, you're done. I, I He has plier hands. Like, we call my dad plier hands because he can just, like, unbolt anything with his hands. Tevin Jenkins has plier hands. Um, uh, Good, good um, knee bend, but he can bend it at the hips a little bit. Um, a lot of quick, like jump setting. So he doesn't have a ton of experience with the vertical sets, which is what you're going to have to do with the NFL. So it's, it's yet to see how he'll deal with that. And he does like, you know, Ronnie Perkins, the rep that excited me about Ronnie Perkins, Ronnie Perkins buried Tevin Jenkins, which is like, Oh my God. Um, but he is patient in his pass reps with good hand fight, really a great base. Um, like I said, he might give up the edge in the NFL. It's, it's, it's tough to see. Um, gets it to the second level well, uh, and he has like that good athleticism, those hips to to run an outside zone. So you don't you don't need to, he does he's not a scheme specific player. Um, I like Dareshaw, and we're not talking about Dareshaw in this episode because it's just not like a realistic option for the Giants probably. Yeah. Um, and maybe it could be in a trade back, but Tevin Jenkins is number three for me, and I like Dareshaw, but Tevin Jenkins is number three for me. I, I he's so much fun to watch. Any three cone. Drill numbers from Pro Day? Do you have them? No, I don't. Maybe I don't just didn't run it. I mean, a lot of a lot of guys just opted to do some stuff and then opted to 
didn't, you know, to not do other stuff. You know, because especially if mirroring and vertical sets are going to be a concern of his, you would have, we would have liked to see what the three cone was. Um, Bobby, I mean, is this, so is this one of those players, you know, remember we had a, we had a conversation last year about like technique versus play strength, uh, and which do you like prefer, which do you prioritize? Is this one of those guys where, and, and I think I have the tendency to prefer technique and you have the tendency to maybe sometimes favor play strength over technique. Is this one of those guys where you're, you're kind of in love with him more or less because of the play strength and you're hoping the technique falls in the NFL? The play strength is why you fall in love with him. Um, the technique isn't bad, but it's just, he hasn't, he, like Oklahoma State didn't run those vertical sets like that. And, you know, sometimes those quick sets can be harder than the vertical sets too. But when, you know, those vertical, and I should probably explain that, is basically if you're pass blocking, you're essentially going to the side. And then I guess people know what vertical means, going backwards. So, yeah. like, when you do those, you leave yourself more vulnerable to be beat in a multiple different types of ways. Uh, so it's just like we haven't seen him tested against that a bunch. So that's that's the worry with Tevin. Yeah. Realistic round two option. No, he. I think he's round one. He's a round one guy in right. the latest early second round. Sound good. Sounds good. All right. Next on my list is Alex Leatherwood, left tackle from Alabama, six five, three hundred twelve pounds. In my plus plus category, he has solid depth on his kick steps and keeps a solid base. He knows how to use his long length and get leverage on his man in pass pro. He doesn't allow defenders to get their hands on his chest. You mainly saw this when he faced Aziz Ojulari. He did not Ojulari, he did not allow Ojulari to do that hand chop, hand swipe move that he really likes to go to. Um, you know, that's something that Ojulari he really kind of I don't want to say he lives off of it cuz he's also a speed rusher. He's also a speed rusher and he can kind of rush and beat you to the outside. Um, but that hand swipe move, that's something that he's very, very good at. I think he is the best in this draft class, and Leatherwood shut that down. Um, short, choppy steps in the run game as well, Alex Leatherwood has. My plus category, 900 snaps at right guard in 2018, and he's been a left tackle for Alabama in 2019 and 2020, so he has that positional versatility. Anchors down against the bull rush and does that hop step, but I think, Bobby, you were just talking about this with Jenkins. He he does that hop step that Bobby likes to talk about, What like Andrew Thomas does. He talked a lot about that during Andrew Thomas's rookie year. Um, Alex Leatherwood seems to do the same thing as well in terms of anchoring down against the bull rush, even when you may allow a little bit of penetration to start, but then you have that recoverability. My minus category has the tendency to open up his hips and pass pro, which allows pass rushers to find their way around the edge. So maybe he does open up his hips a little too soon. He doesn't have the most aggressive punch at contact. Uh, Bobby, I would be interested. Uh, I, you know, Alex Leatherwood, I think out of all the top guys that we're talking about, his arms m might be the longest, but he doesn't really have that punch that maybe you would want to go along with it. Um, that could be a coaching thing at Alabama, since I know in your breakdown video, you mentioned that Jedrick Wills didn't really have the most explosive punch as well. Even though I remember at the Combine, Wills had a pretty good punch. But again, that's the Combine. That's the Underwear Olympics. Um, he also leans a little in the run game. You know, I, I don't like a guy who leans, you know, stay balanced, you know, don't be on your toes, you know, be on the, you know, be on the back of your, the back of your toes and the back of your feet. So you're not leaning forward and you're not whiffing overall. If we had to list, I feel Alex Leatherwood's biggest strengths in order, I would say it's its hands, it's, it's, it's his feet and it's his play strength. Those are like his three primary strengths, even though this guy, everyone talks about him going at guard. I still feel Bobby. 
because of how good his kick steps are and because of the depth he gets vertically when he's moving back when he's moving back in his pass sets i think he deserves a shot at tackle um i want to hear how you view leatherwood in the run game since i talked a lot about, about him as a as a pass blocker but for me leatherwood he's a love it player i was expecting to not fully like him for whatever reason in my brain but i turned you know kind of turned on the tape and i was and i was a uh, i liked him I, or, excuse me i loved him yeah, Leatherwood is well coached. Kyle Flood, who was the Alabama O-line coach, and he went to Steve Sarkeesian at Texas, who was actually rumored for from our guy, um, Coach Theo, uh, who's in Spain, who was a college teammate of Kyle Flood. Like, he was rumored to be uh, the O-line coach the first year um, with Joe Judge. He was one of the people that Joe Judge had talked to. He He's a really good offensive line coach. I'm, I'm, I'm sad we missed out on him. Because um, you can tell Alex Leatherwood is very coached. You said in his past sets, it's calm, cool, collected. Uh, you know, it's not he's not punching like like crazy, but he's got good hands. The issue is he does lack a little bit of athleticism, and he can get that corner bent on him like some other guys. Um, so I do think he's a right tackle, but he is a tackle. Like I I, I view him as a tackle. Like you know, the, like I said, the Giants are unique where it's like every tackle's the guard for the Giants. But you know, any other team, I think he should play tackle. Um, you know, like I said, pro- more most likely right tackle. Um, in the run game, man, the Senior Bowl made me like him a lot more than I did going into the Senior Bowl. Like him watching him and Trey Smith like work double teams, it's like, man, that would fit in perfectly with the Giants and what they're trying to do in the run game. Like he can move dudes, uh, and he can lean a little bit, but it's not like he's he's not leaning like crazy. So yeah, Leatherwood is um, I would I I wouldn't be thrilled at him at pick forty two, but I'd be like, okay, that make that pick makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it would be good value. Um. So this is so this is where you know you're scratching your head with oh I thought we believed in Matt Parrott because then I, really I think you're taking Leatherwood and I re- I really do think uh, you're going to take him to play tackle because he has he has the skill set to play tackle now they could take him at guard and it's like I don't know how to like project that in my brain like that's why you know looking at Vera Tucker we could just see the reps that he played at guard in 2019 and be like, oh, this guy is a good guard. But watching somebody play tackle and then trying to project how he would do at guard, it doesn't, I'm not smart enough to do that. So odds are, you know, you take Leatherwood to maybe play right tackle and, you know, then it makes Matt Parrott, what are we doing with that? So um, I, he's a good player. I, I enjoyed watching him. He's a good player. All right, next we're talking about, well, you have one guy who's not really a project guy, but... Uh, my next, my last two guys are going to be some project guys. There's some projects. Oh, no, no, my last two guys are projects too, no doubt. Yeah, I think Jalen's a little less project. Oh, okay. All right, cool. Eh. <sighs> Just a very disrespectful like way to respond. Eh, I don't think so. That's just disrespectful. All right. Um, talking about Little Walker. Some would call him Walker Little. Out of Stanford. I'm fascinated by this guy, man. And, and because of the story. One, he's six foot eight, 313 pounds. He's cookie not little. Cutter. He is a cookie-cutter offensive tackle. Now, as a fr- true freshman, you saw traits there. It's like, wow, this guy can be a top-of-the-first-round pick. Like, this guy can be a real deal. In 2019, he only played 72 snaps after a knee injury. You know, didn't, didn't really get a full game out of him. Then he opted out of 2020. So, we essentially haven't seen him play... Since 2000, um, 2018. Now, yep. you see, you saw a little bit out of 2019. But it's, he is an intriguing player because he just hasn't played. But he has all those traits. His pass sets look good. Like, he stays vertical in them. 
Um, like he has great feet. He has the ability of the mirror guys. Like it looks beautiful. He can wash you around the edge. Like he just looks like a guy who plays tackle. He looks physically imposing, but he, you know, he's not leaning over and, and punch and, you know, put super punchy or, or letting guys get in the chest. Like he just looks good out there. He looks smooth while he does it. You know, his ability of the mirror. Like I said, I already said that is beautiful. I'm reading the bullet point again. Um, again, like a lot of guys needs to f- focus on the inside foot, you know, in, inside moves. Uh, you're going to get a lot of those more, a lot more of those in the NFL. So he, need, he needed to work on that. His hands don't punch. They're kind of just out there, you know, but because of his size, he's able to kind of place them on guys and handle them. But if, if he doesn't do that and a guy, you know, bull rushes him and gets in his chest, that's where he gets him get in trouble. Where it's like a guy is, you know, punching, you know, gets like one hand on the shoulder and then uses the other hand to swim or, or rip through. That's where he can kind of get himself in trouble. Um, in the run game, he's not imposing. You know, he's not like a, a bulldozer, lean on you and, and bury you eight yards. But he has really good angles and his base is really good, so he's not a bad run blocker. Um, and then he anchors really well. This is, it's a fascinating player because what do you do with him? Because he's obviously, you know, not going to, like, you could see a team falling in love with this guy and saying, I don't care about all this other stuff. I'll take him in the second round. And then you can see him going fourth, fifth round because people don't know what he is and what he's worked on. Um, so I think, you know, whoever takes him, it's got to be a, like, a, hey, we, we we know this person and the medical's checked out. Five-star prospect coming out of high school too, which was really good. Um, coming out of Texas. Texas is a good high school high school state. Yeah, so uh, uh, Dave Gettleman did mention – you know, it's a lot tougher for to evaluate offensive linemen who maybe opted out and who haven't played um, in quite a long time versus wide receivers because wide receivers, you know, uh, he he. What's what's that machine called where the throws the balls to you? Jugs machine. They have the judge, the jug or judge. Jugs. Jugs. They have the jug machine, um, so it's a lot easier to kind of maybe think that those guys haven't lost a step versus the offensive linemen, and I kind of do agree with that. Um, but Walker Little. Cool project. He's not a little man. Not a little man. Big man on campus. Big man on campus. Walk hard. Good movie. Love underrated. I like it. I have the music on my phone. Is that bad? The music. What's that? Oh. Do we cops? The closing song is a good song. It is. You know, like there's some joke lyrics in it. You know? But I, it's it's a it's a good song. There's a few bangers in there. I I listen to it every once in a while. I'll put it, you know, good good for a little car ride. You know what? I'll make part of it the intro for this episode. Oh, I love that. Walk hard. Are we gonna do walk hard? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make I'm gonna find the best thirty seconds of it and make it the intro for this yes. episode. So if you're listening, you already listen. Which, by the way, YouTube listeners, if you don't listen on the podcast app, you miss you miss out on a different intro every episode. You do different different intros. We cannot include it because YouTube would shut us down. For copyright. And I'll freaking shut YouTube down. How about that? Talking Giants First World. Jalen Mayfield, 6'5", 326 pounds from Michigan is my next player. In my plus-plus category, he flies, flies out of his stance. And he is also very, very strong. I'm saying it right now. He was the tackle that I had the most fun watching out of this draft class. I just had the most fun. Now, this is one of those things, This just in disclaimer, just because I had fun watching somebody does not mean that they are the best player. I just had fun while watching them. He is athletic and explosive, but also very smooth in his kick steps. 
mean approach to playing the run. He wants to drive you out of the play every single play. Takes that athletic explosiveness, and he makes it worth it. Doesn't just finesse you. So, you know, there are some guys, you know, and we sometimes we even saw this with the interior linemen too, where... I think you even just see this with football players in general. They have the athletic traits to to be like a really good player and to maybe to be like a nasty player, but they don't take advantage of it and they don't combine it with playing like a bat out of hell where they're just trying to finesse you. I feel like Jalen Mayfield kind of combines the best of both worlds where he plays like a bat out of hell, but he also has the athletic traits. My plus category, he's only 20 years old, similar to Sewell, only 20 years old, handles bull rushes pretty well understands leverage and that the lower man wins can work can you know impact both the run game and the pass game had some reps against chase young in 2019 and he was decent i would say young won the matchup but as a 19 to 20 year old going up against chase young um i think he held his own relatively not everybody's andrew thomas or rayshon later where you just punk chase young's bitch ass rayshon later that's right rayshon see you later see you later. later Works well with his fellow. If we linemen. do draft Rayshon Slater, we have to get a like a picture of him on a on a surfboard, right? Because of Kelly Slater. Rayshon Slater and Tevin Jenkins. I wanted to mention this. They both look like they both look a little goofy. Like nerds. Yeah, yeah, a little goofy. Kelly Slater is a hometown hero. You know that, right, Brevard County? Did you know that Rayshon Slater's father played in the NBA? No. Who what was it? I have this tweet in the drafts. Hold on. What was his name? This is going to bother me because as soon as you say it, I'm going to remember who it was. I'm going to give you five seconds. I almost said Daryl Slater, but that's the dickhead from NJ.com. Five, four, three, two, one. Reggie Slater. He was an eight-year NBA player with the Nuggets, Raptors, and Timberwolves. I don't remember. Did he play in the 90s? Oh, Buddy Brown said A.C. Slater, and that's who I was thinking. Jalen Mayfield, though. Did you know Reggie... um, Reggie, what am I doing right now? Um, Kelly Slater, he's a hometown guy, right? Really? Yeah, they have a they have a statue here, and what's funny is he he's standing the wrong way on the statue on the surfboard. <laughs> of course. Um, same. Hey, same beach. By the way, we didn't talk about it on Tuesday. Did you see that that plane? Like you know, emergency landing. Yes. At, that's where I live too. Like that, I, I was twenty minutes south when that happened. Everyone lived. Yeah, that was. Good. I I had some serious FOMO. It's like, dude, I freaking I wish I was in that part of the beach when that happened. I thought you were gonna say I wish it was on the plane. That would be kind of cool too. <laughs> I survived. Those air shows are nuts, man. They um, they'll make all the car alarms go off because they get so low to the ground. Jalen Mayfield, I like him, Bobby, and I'm gonna continue. <laughs> Sorry, it's we okay. haven't gotten off on a tangent. Hey, you know, when we're, we're doing eight players instead of 12, I feel more comfortable doing that. That is true. It makes it such a better episode. Let's it, be real. It does. So, you know, uh, Jalen Mayfield, he's athletic. He's kind of nasty. He combines playing like a bat out of hell with good athleticism. He gets out of his stance. He did okay against Chase Young considering he was a 19 to 20-year-old, but I would say Chase Young won the battle. He also works well with his fellow teammates and a fellow lineman in the run game when he's moving to the second level. Whenever he's not overextending, he finds himself in a good spot. My minus category. Now, this is very important very much plays on his toes and can have some big whiffs and whiffing on blocks is a huge 
huge. Like it is, it is a problem with Mayfield, and it's kind of funny to watch him sometimes just went to just whiff on guys, and he's and he's stumbling, like, and he's just fumbling, stumbling, and bumbling. Particularly, it was a problem against Penn State. If you want to watch a game where it was a problem, um, only starting year where he saw starting caliber snaps was 2019. He struggled with an injury in 2019 as well. Also struggled with an in- well, I think a a, a laggering stemming uh, what, what's the word I'm, lingering injury in 2019 also struggled with an injury in 2020 but also the big 10 was kind of weird this year because they barely played any games to begin with um overall Jalen Mayfield is one of those guys in this draft class he attracts me like I said because he plays like a bat at hell he combines that solid athleticism and he's and he's mean he has a mean attitude he has a lot to fix, but hey, the Giants brought in Rob Sale and Pat Flaherty for a reason. Mayfield is a project, in my opinion. I think he is a project because he does need to work on some things technically, you know, especially in the run game. Um, but he arguably, I think he may be the funnest project out of all these offensive linemen. Uh, Bobby, he's a gotta-have-it player for me, but also it's an irrational gotta-have-it player for me. It's very he's irrational. My, he's my fifth offensive tackle, so you're you're not wrong to love him. You know, where like a, a Liam Eichenberg can come in and be better than him right away. We didn't talk about Eichenberg, but I'll just say quick. I think that guy's going to have a Mike Rimmers career where he's going to be okay. He's never going to be great. And then you'll have some bad moments against some of the best pass rushers. Pass rushers. But anyways, yeah, I, I really like Mayfield. And like you said, he blows dudes up. Um, and the stuff that he needs to fix is very coachable. You know, he's the like he's athletic enough to do everything. Um, and, and his issues are, are very coachable. And that's what I look for in guys is like, like, are your issues coachable? It's why I fell in love with Andrew Thomas. It's like, one, look how good he is. And two, it's like the issues he has are totally fixable. Where it's like, you know, you can't really coach a guy to just be a bully in the run game. You know, you can get better in the run game, but you can't really coach a guy to be a bully in the run game. Yeah, so, and he's that. So, um, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan. All right, last on my list. Another project guy, Florida Gator. Six foot eight, 305 pounds. So I got two six foot eight guys in a row. In fact, I have a breakdown coming Friday at 1 o'clock on him. Stone Forsyth, and you and you saw me put out the clip against him versus Aziz Ojulari. A very tall player, but his issues, he needs to add weight and strength. I mean, his issue, all of his issues stem from that. He needs to get he needs to add 15 pounds, and it needs to be 15 pounds of getting stronger, not just, you know, not hamburger weight. Um where he's good. He's got good mirror ability in pass pro. He can stay with you. Like he's hard to disengage once he is on like once you make that initial contact. Um in pass pro though, his feet click. I mean, they come close together, and that being paired with, you know, being six foot eight makes him really tall and not being that strong leads him to getting like a, a good NFL bull rusher who has moves is going to expose that for Stone, and that's why he's kind of kind of a pro, uh, a prod a, a project his hands are really good though like he has solid hand fight you know he's not just like a put your hands on and then whatever happens happens like he's his hands are active and they're and they're fighting can sometimes overset um and leave the inside open now here's the thing justin is i like when i watch this guy say like a nfl defense event um well let me let me go the run game the run game he needs to add weight and strength he just doesn't move guys um, he can do some okay stuff and like, he's at, he's very athletic. So if you put him in that outside zone, like a Cleveland, you know, Kevin Stefanski zone, he, that fits him better. Uh, cause he's just, he's an athlete to get out, you know, across guys faces. Um, so it's, it's so frustrating with him because you say it's like, Oh, an NFL guy has, will work this guy. 
They're going to bull rush him. They're going to rip like they're, they, they're, they would have his way with him. But then you look at the NFL guys who he went up against and Aziz Ojolari, he like Stone is the reason why I'm not a huge Aziz Ojolari fan, which we talked about early in the episode. I watched him against Ronnie. There wasn't a ton of reps versus Ronnie Perkins in the bowl game this year, but he did good in the reps he had. So it's like, and even against Alabama, he played well. So it's like, you see issues, but it's like whenever he went up against the best competition, he kind of just played well. When it's like, in my mind, I'm like, bull rush his ass and rip through. Like, but it's just like, they didn't, they didn't do it. So it's, um, he's an interesting project where it's like, yeah, he's a project, but like you look at other projects like James Hudson or, or, or other players. And it's like, you see them getting beat and like really bad, like results where stone kind of has good results and he has a great name too. I, you took my main analysis point. Great name. Stone. <laughs> Stone. Stone. What a, what a name. Stone. What a name. And that's how we kind of like evaluated Andrew Thomas too. Not to say that Stone Foresight is like a first round pick, but that's how we evaluated Andrew Thomas. It's like, yeah, you know, you can pinpoint like these little things that the draft experts that they want to uh, put a critique on, but you look at the competition he faced, you look at the pass rushers that he faced, and he kind of did well. And that's what it's that's what it's about in the NFL. You know, it doesn't all, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter how you look, but if you get the job done. Stone Forsyth, you know, he got the job done. For Bobby sure. Skinner. All right, let's finish it off, baby. Last on my list. A uh, little bias because we did interview him. A little bias. Brendan Hyma, 6'5", 298 pounds from Nebraska. You're Nebraska Cornhuskers. Where's my where's my co- where's my coaster? There's my coaster right here. Go Big Red. My plus-plus category, the most experienced Nebraska Cornhusker offensive lineman in program history. That is no small feat. I knew he was a three-year starter. I didn't know that little nugget, though. Yeah, because I think we mentioned that. We mentioned that in the interview. We did that interview so long ago, I forgot. That is true, unless unless I just totally got that wrong. Uh, regardless, he's a three year starter, and I do think he ha- he does have the the most starts under his belt out of all Nebraska offensive linemen. I'm not gonna make I'm not gonna say in program history for all players, but offensive linemen. An offensive lineman for Nebraska Cornhuskers, like you, you know, that is a, a tradition filled program, um, especially when you look back in the '90s with uh, how just how well they ran the ball and they never threw the ball. Um, has solid mirroring ability and good lateral quickness. He's a consistent, consistent pass blocker. He looks comfortable and in control as a pass blocker. My plus category, he has solid hands. His ability to hand fight and his hand placement I think is solid. He lined up as both a right guard and a right tackle at the senior bowl, and he played decent. He also met with the Giants, so I think that you know increases his chances of possibly being a Giant. My minus category, not the best mover in space, and the difference between him as a pass blocker and a run blocker is night and day. I mean, you know, it's almost like you look at Shane Lemieux, except I think he is uh, just a lot worse as a run blocker. He's, I don't think he's very good as a run blocker, but I think he's solid as a pass blocker. Overall, I think Hymas would benefit by putting some more muscle mass on. On TV, he already looks a little thick, but he's still under 300 pounds. Um, so making sure that weight is going towards play strength is going to be key for him to start somewhere, maybe eventually. He has promise as a swing tackle, but if he wants the chance to start somewhere, he needs to get his feet under him and get more in control in the run game. If the NFL does view him as a guard, because he was lining up at both right guard and right tackle at the Senior Bowl, so if the NFL views 
him as more of a guard, he won't have the opportunity and the space to show off his pass-blocking ability like he did at Nebraska as a left tackle. I would be very down for Brendan Hymas in the fifth in like the fifth round as a guy who can replace Nate Solder's role as a swing tackle for the next, you know, four years, three years after Nate Solder leaves and after, you know, he, you know, retires, gets released, whatever, after the 2020 season. And get the old band back together, too. Nick Gates, Brendan Hymas, former teammates at Nebraska, get the old band back together. Yeah, so I went into this thinking he was going to suck, okay? Because, so, I, you know, I saw where he's projected. And he didn't look great at the Senior Bowl, especially in one-on-ones. You know, we interviewed him, so, you know, I wasn't going to... I was never going to go out of my way to bash him or anything. Um, but, like, when you said you were going to, like, uh, bid him on your list, I was like, eh. I was like, you're just kind of... Like, why are we just doing the guys that we interviewed? So I went and watched him. Dude, he impressed. When you, like you said, in the pass game, like he's he's solid. Like he has really good pass technique. Yeah. Um, and like you can see, like he he'll be all right. But like you said, the the run game issues are there. So he's um, I he's oh, he's someone where it's like you let him sit for a year or two and get stronger and learn the game a little more, and it's like he's a good player. It's like oh wow, this guy showed up out of nowhere and became a good player. I forgot. I didn't say he's a love it player for me because he made a very smart decision by coming on Talking Giants and promoting himself to this wonderful fan base. That's true. But we did next year. We need to do a few more interviews. Like we had opportunities, and I was just like, I'm, I, I get bored by interviews. They don't do great numbers, and they're just kind of boring. Like especially college players. I think people would rather hear us talk about player. And, and this is no offense to college football players. I think, and this is also a big ego statement, I think people would rather hear us talk about college football players than have college football players come on our show and then talk about themselves. I just think a college player is not going to be a good interview unless he's dumb. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, yeah. Hymas and, and De- like they both portrayed themselves very well, but they weren't like a, wow, that was a great interview. It was like, it was a good interview for them and what they're trying to portray. Yeah. But like, it wasn't like a, you know, like a fun interview. You're right. Um, Never forget the John Hillman interview. I, that that is somewhere on this podcast, one of the very first, one of the earlier episodes. You guys can go listen to it. Look at look for Jane, John Hillman interview. And I never heard a player more boring in my life. Like I was like at rookie camp, I was like, like so. Any other players you notice that look really good? Like nah, I just focus on myself. It's like dude, what are what are, what are we doing here? Give me something, man. <laughs> what um, are we doing? <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, you know, worst interview ever and, you know, worst running back to ever start a game for the Giants. How about that? All right, that's an episode. We'll be back on Monday. So we this schedule for next week will be Monday for our wide receiver preview. And then on draft day, Thursday, we'll be putting out our draft day episode plus our mock drafts on that episode. We may early release it like 8 o'clock the night before. That way you can, you know, make sure you get to listen to it. Um, and then Friday morning, we'll have our first round uh, recap. And then we'll be streaming the entire draft on YouTube, so make sure to to come join. Um, if you're not already going to LPG's uh, event, if you can go to that, go to that. So we appreciate you guys. We will see you on Monday. Enjoy your weekend. Um, last weekend without new members on the New York Giants. How about that? We appreciate you guys. See you then. Let's go Big Blue. <laughs>